I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries, and uh, I'm teaching on something that takes a long time to go through. In fact, every subject I teach on, I don't teach one lesson on it. I teach, I don't know how in the world preachers think they can get through one subject in one lesson. You can't. Everything I teach on is chronologically in respect to the previous one. And uh, I've been teaching on Wednesday on faith and no faith or unbelief. Faith and no faith. And there's several things on the subject. It is There's little faith, little faith. And adding to your faith, add to faith. And the Bible says we have to add. It doesn't give us an invitation to add to our faith. It commands us to add to our faith. Add add to faith. There's a lot of things to We're saved by grace through faith. I'll spend some time on grace. I'll just tell you grace. Grace has to do with predestination. Well, it's not working. Hold on a second. We're saved by grace. Well, my board's not clear, not clean. Saved by grace. Well, grace is the word charis. That's the word grace every time you find it. It's our word joy. It's the same word as joy, rejoice. Except there's a little little switch on the word charis. It's the word kara. That would be the word joy or rejoice. And we're saved by grace. Grace means unmerited favor. Now you stop and think about that. If God picked out his people and there's none good and it's only a few, a few that believe God, and that's because he has to put faith or belief in our hearts since there's none that seeketh after God, then there's none. Therefore, God has to pick out a family that's going to be his family in heaven, and he's got to put faith in their heart because nobody seeks God. Well, the whole point of that, the whole definition of that would be grace. Grace is predestination. It's what it is. He's predestined us to conform to the image of Christ or to Christ's likeness, and we don't have any ability to do that. So we're saved by grace. He picks us out. And the method is through through faith. This is Ephesians 2.8. Through faith. Through is the word dia. Dia means the method. 
the method, or it has the idea of a of a channel or a funnel. God puts us in this in this thing called faith all the way to the end, and we have to go through. And that's not something we choose to do. That's something he puts in us. We go through faith. And then I said before, I said, it is the gift of God. Well, most people think of a gift as something that's wrapped up and it's got a bow on it. And that's not what the gift is. It's not something with a bow on it. That's not it. Gift is the word doron, and it means sacrifice. God puts it in our hearts to to believe the sacrifice of God, and he makes us alive by his will. Free will is not true. We were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God's will. Nobody has the will to come to God. It just boggles my mind how preachers can read Romans 3, 10, 11, and 12 when the Bible says there's none righteous, not one, there's none that understands, there's none that seeks after God. Nobody in the world seeks God. If God ever has a family, he has to pick one out. And that's called grace. It's unmerited favor. We did not do anything to be picked by God. Nothing. He just picked out who he wills. He quickens whom he wills. Quickens, Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. P-O-I-E-O means to make zoo alive. You go to a zoo to see living animals. Now, I'm talking about what faith is, what it does, and when we increase in faith. We already said last week, faith has a definition. Faith is the word P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis means to trust someone else. It means to cease trusting yourself if you trust somebody else you don't trust you to get it done so it means trust and there's a definition for faith the best definition in the bible the best definition is in hebrews 11 and 1 i've gone over this so many times hebrews 11 is called faith's hall of fame And it starts off saying, by faith, Abraham. And it'll go on into the, let me read some of that to you. And it will say, and each one of these guys, each one of them in this faith's hall of fame, they what they do is by faith. That's what it says. It says here in in, uh, verse... For by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He did something. He offered what his father Adam had taught him to uh, offer. 
And then verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And then then the Bible says in verse 6, Without faith, if it is impossible to please him, and then it gives what you have to do to in faith, and it's works in faith, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, you have to believe he exists, and not only that, that's not enough, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That word diligently seek is the word ek, Z-E-T-E-O. Zenteo means to worship or to seek out. But since nobody seeks God, God's put that in our hearts to cause us to seek Him. This means to seek out God. And then he goes on to say, By faith, Abraham. And every one of these people are being obedient to God here. Well, I, I miss Noah in verse 7. I've quoted this a thousand times. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He did what God said do. If you have faith, it will work. But it will do good works, not evil works, not works of the flesh. And then verse 8, by faith, Abraham... When he was called out, out into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, knowing not where he was going. God came to Abraham, and he was down here in the land of Haran, and he said, follow me, Abraham. And Abraham said, okay. God takes him all the way over here, down here into the bottom of Israel, what would later become Israel, about 600 miles away. He didn't even know where he was going, and he followed God in obedience to his word. Faith is obedience to God. And then it goes on to say, by faith, he sojourned to the land of promise. And he was looking for a city which foundations whose builder and maker was God. And then verse 11, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered as a child when she was too old to have children, when she was past age. She did not be late anymore. Abraham didn't have seed anymore. And then he goes on down here, talks about faith all through here. Talks about by faith Abraham in verse 17. When he was tried, he offered up Isaac. He, God told him to offer his son as a sacrifice, even though not, God's not going to accept the sacrifice of a human. And then he says in verse 18, of whom they said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And by faith Isaac in verse 20. By faith Jacob in verse 21. And he did the things that God said. By faith Joseph in verse 22. That's why this is called... Faith Hall of Fame. Then verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months by his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment to kill all the children. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing 
because God put it in his heart to choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the approach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And then he, by faith he forsook Egypt in verse 27. Through faith he kept the Passover in verse 28. By faith he crossed the Red Sea in verse 29. And then by faith the walls of Jericho fell down at the hands of Joshua. And in verse 21, by faith the harlot Rahab believed Joshua and hung that red thread out of her window so that when they were destroyed by Israel, her household wouldn't be hurt. And it goes all the way through here. And he says here in verse 32, And what shall I say by the time we shall fail, shall fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in the fight, turned to flight the armies of aliens, women raised their dead, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings. Now you want to know what faith brings about in your life. Listen to this. Cruel mockings and scourgings by evil men. Yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Isaiah was put into a log. History says, or the culture says, and he was sawed in half. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy of these men. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise yet. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect, teleos, or mature. Now, that's faith. Faith does what God says do. Now, we've been talking about faith. I don't quite know how to even go about all this. I got a thousand things to say on it. We said last week that no faith, no faith would be represented by this, by the word unbelief. Well, my board's messed up. No faith is represented like this. It's represented by unbelief. Unbelief would be represented, it is the word A-P. My board's not working. A. I can't get it. Let me see if it's my pen. A-P-I-S. T-I-S. 
That would be unbelief or no faith. Faith is the word pistis. When the alpha privet is in front of a word as a negative particle, it negates the word and gives an opposite meaning. Apistis means no faith, and every time you find the word unbelief, except for twice, it is this word apistis. Twice the word is A-P-E-I-T-H-I-A, apathia. It comes from pathia, P-E-I-T-H-I-A, which means to persuade, to persuade, and the alpha privative means not persuadable. So, you also have a little faith. That's what Jesus kept saying to the apostles. They were just young guys when he called them. They couldn't have been over 21, 22 years old. And little faith is oligos pistis. Now, little faith saves. If somebody is just starting in life and they die before they grow up and get and add to their faith, if they die young, little faith saves them. I keep saying the thing about faith, faith comes about when God puts it in our hearts. He's the one that has to put this desire to die to the flesh in our hearts. And it comes about with the inner and the outer man. This is one of my favorite subjects in the New Testament. The outer man, outer man, in Romans 7, verse 25, serves the law, serves the flesh. The inner man is Christ in you, and he serves the Spirit. You live a long time in your life. You go through trials, tribulation, persecution, fire. You go through all of these things, and it burns out pride, self. And over the years, the inner man takes over your life, and that's your faith growing. Faith grows, or should I say death to self grows. Death to self grows, the older you get, the more fire and trial and persecution go through, and God gets rid of that over the years. You're not born with all the faith you're going to get. That's why the Bible says, Besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith. That word add, E-P-I-C-H-O-R-E-G-E-O. Epicoregio is not just an invitation to add to your faith, Second Peter 1 and 5. That is, and what you call in the Greek, it's an imperative mood. An imperative mood in the Greek or in the English, is a command. I've always, I've given this example many times. It's a command or a commandment. I've given this example. I remember being in about the fifth grade, two, three, four. I was just a kid, and I remember the teacher saying, you got three kinds of sentences. 
you have a declarative. That's where you declare something. And that's a statement. A statement. And that ends with a period. Jim went to the store. And then you have an interrogative. I'll just put I. Interrogative comes from the word interrogate. It means to ask a question. Did Jim go to the store? Did Jim go to the store? Always ends with a question mark. Then you have an exclamatory, an exclamation. Did Jim go to the store? Ends with an exclamation point. I didn't know he was going to the store. Did he go to the store? And then you have an imperative mood. Jim, go to the store. Or when Eric was at home, I'd say, take the garbage out, Eric. That wasn't an invitation. That wasn't a question. That wasn't a statement. That was a command from me for him to take the garbage out. And he would do that when I would command that. When you see epicoregeo or any other imperative mood, if God is the one and he is that inspired the word of God, every time you have an imperative, that is a command to every believer. That's not an invitation whether you want to do this or not. When he would say, humble yourself under the hand of God. Humble, T-A-P-E-I-N-O-O. It means to level self before God. Of course, the hand of God is evil man. David said, deliver me from the wicked, which is thy sword and thy hand. There in 17th chapter of Psalms. Humble. Somewhere in your life, If you are one of the elect of God, you have to humble to him. Not humble to me. You have to repent to God. When he would tell you, when Peter said, repent, that was an imperative command. When they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, repent. Well, that's a command to every believer. When he said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. That is an imperative command every time it's used in the Bible in the New Testament. Here. Well, here is the word akuo. But here doesn't just mean to listen. It is a command. It's an imperative command. It comes from the same word hoop. A-K-O-U-O. Which is the word Obey. Obey. Hoop means to hear under. Hoopo. It means to obey. Every time you find the word obey, it's hoopakuo. Here is akuo. So it means hear under. The amazing thing in the Old Testament, the word hear, obey, hearken, 
are all the exact same word. Shama. When the Bible says the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both of them, that could have been interpreted the obedient ear and the seeing eye. The Lord made him both of them. So, so anytime you have an imperative mood, strive to enter at the straight gate. Strive is an imperative command. Imperative. It's just as much as a command coming from God as when he would say, let there be light. Same thing. If he says, let there be light in a man's life, you say, well, I want to be a Christian without all that hard time. Well, that's too bad. You can't be. You cannot be a Christian without God giving you a hard time in your heart. I'm not going to give you a hard time. He will. And he is demanding us to humble and to agonizomize. That's the word strive. Acts 13, 20, uh, excuse me. Luke thirteen twenty four. Agonizomai. It means to agonize while you're entering in the straight and narrow way. That's not choice. That's an absolute command. And when he says, add to your faith in Second Peter one and five, and he names seven things. That's not a choice. You're not, it's not your choice to add virtue. Virtue, arete, means maturity. It's not your choice to add knowledge. Somewhere, some way, you're going to get around somebody that knows something about the truth as a believer. Maybe Jim Brown. Knowledge, gnosis. It means exactly that, knowledge of the Bible. And then when he says temperance, it's not your choice to add temperance. It's not up to you. Uh, You say, I don't know how to add this stuff. You don't have to know how. It'll be going on in your heart and in your life. You'll be growing spiritually. Knowledge, temperance. Temperance. Then you get on down to godliness. Patience. You got one, two, three, four, five. Brotherly kindness. And every one of these are conditional. Brotherly kindness. And charity. Wow. Charity is the word agape. We've already said that agape, whenever you find the word love that is agape, it's the same thing. I don't know why these guys that are translators translated charity as agape and one of the words for love agape. I don't know. They did a lot of that translating. There was no need to. And agape is walking after the commandments of God. I always feel like somebody's watching that hasn't heard this before 
You have agape and phileo. I'm not saying this for the people here. I'm saying it for somebody on the internet or that's watching on the TV that they haven't heard me say this. These two words, agape and phileo, have been translated over to the word love. They're not the same word. Phileo means to have affection for. We get the word friend, philos from that, friend. It means to have affection for a person. But Jesus said, you're my friends if you do the things that I say. And that's agape. Agape was walking after the commandments of God, Second John 6. You say, Jim, you've said that a thousand times. I know that, but you may not be the only person that's listening. That's one of the most important verses in the Bible. This is love. This is agape that we walk after his commandments. That's what agape is. Phileo doesn't mean to walk after the commandments of God. It just means to like anything you want to like. And you may like something you're not supposed to be liking, like drugs or drinking or smoking or whatever. You're not supposed to be liking everything. So, these, when the Bible says epicoregio, add. Epi means to cover your life with coregio. Coregio would be our word choreography. Choreography, a choreographer is a dance leader. Correggio means a circular or sacred dance. And God says, I'm commanding you to dance this sacred dance of adding these seven things to your life. You have to add God in this, Eusebia. You have to add patience, hupomone, and hupomone is a form. That is the noun form of hupomeno, and that is the word endure. And the trying of your faith is more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire. And count it all joy when you fall into temptation, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. So you have to be tried in a fire. And that's not a choice. That's something you have to do. God just means the gospel scheme. The gospel's a resurrection. That's daily in our life because we die daily. Resurrection, anastasis, means to come to life after dying. And Paul said, I die daily. And we're commanded to take our cross daily. Oh, that takes us back to some more commandments. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Take up and follow me. Every one of these words are an imperative mood. People don't understand. This is not an invitation. It's not an invitation him. It's a command to everyone that a God has picked out and put faith in their hearts. These are imperative moods. Imperative. Deny. Op. A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. 
That's really amazing. It comes from apo and arneomai, meaning to contradict. That word apo means a complete setting off of contradiction in your life of self. You have to deny self. And what amazes me is in the NIV text, the Westcott and Hort text, it only says, let him arneomai. That can be one time. Let him contradict once. This says contradict completely and take up A-I-R-O. This is not invitation hymn. There's no such thing as invitation hymns in with God. The invitation hymn is like it's up to you. I hate invitation hymns. And this word take up, arrow, is a command. It's an imperative command. Follow. Akulatheo. A-K-O-U-L-A-T-H-E-O. Akulatheo. Boy, that is a strong command. It means to be in the same way. There's only one way we are to be in. That is the narrow way. Narrow way. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And only a few. That's only a few that have the little faith when they start. And that faith will grow when they're commanded to add to their faith. No faith means complete unbelief. And then he says to be in the same way with. Well, the way is narrow. That's the same word as prosper in Third John 2. I would wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. E-U-O-D-O-O. That's a construction of E-U and hodos. Hodos is the narrow way. Narrow is the hodos that leads to eternal life. And only a few that have, they start with little faith, and then their faith has to grow because they're commanded to add these things, temperance, E-G-K-R-E-T-E-I-A. It means kratos, K-R-A-T-O-S, kratos, strength, Within, it's strength to overcome sin. And then he says, prosper, you hodos, means well way. Jesus said, I am the way. And he said, narrow is the way. So prosper does not mean money. It means the narrow way. It's a way full of tribulation. Narrow and tribulation are basically the same word. One is the verb, the other is the noun. The verb is narrow. It doesn't look like a verb, but it is in the Greek. Narrow is the word T-H-L-I-B-O, and tribulation is T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. They're forms of the same word. So the tribulation, the narrow way is the tribulation way, and you're commanded to get in that way. I don't know why people don't like these Greek words. Because, boy, they sure make it tough on us. You know what this does? It makes it hard or difficult to be a Christian. 
I hear people say, well, it's easy to be a Christian. You just pray this prayer and walk down the aisle. That is a stupid doctrine. God's got to deal with your heart. Make you a new creation. Make you want to live right. I know that because I have lived so wrong. Has anybody lived wrong besides me? We all have, haven't we? Anybody that says they don't, I don't care how holy they look. I don't care if it's a radio preacher that's been preaching for 50 years. I don't care if it's John MacArthur. He's a sinner just like me. I don't care if it's Billy Graham. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's James Robeson. They are sinners. There's no temptation taken. One man, but such is common to all men. You know what will make you quit feeling like you're the worst of sinners? By finding these things out that everybody is the same kind of sinner. Everybody. Everybody deserves to go to hell. Everybody that's ever lived. Unless God picks you out and puts this in your mind. I don't care what your sin is. Nobody has been a bigger sinner than than the psalmist David. Nobody. He 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 saw Bathsheba naked on a housetop, told one of his commanders, I want her over here. He had a sexual affair with her, got her pregnant, and then had her husband killed. You ever done that? Broke David's heart for his sin. Especially when Nathan stood in front of him said, Thou art the man, David. David wept and cried and repented. Nobody's been a worse sinner than the Apostle Paul. Nobody. He said, I slaughtered the church. Slaughter, phonos, means to murder. He probably killed hundreds of Christians before he started preaching. There's no sin in your life that's worse than Apostle Paul. None of, nobody. Now, talking about faith is what I'm talking about. I want to work my way to no faith. Sometimes I watch a, my, one of my messages on TV and say, wish I'd have said this. I, I say all I can say. I can't say everything. These things are important. The imperative commands are important. There's about 1,900 imperative commands in the Greek text. You say, I don't know what they are. They'll be going on in your heart. You don't have to learn them. God knows how to put them in your heart. You do know right from wrong, don't you? Anybody who says they don't is lying through their teeth. Everybody knows right from wrong. When those who are outside the law do the things by nature, the things contained in the law, they are a law to themselves. Even pagans know that it's wrong to do what they're doing. Now, these all these words are imperative. Charity is brotherly kindness is that word philos, P-H-I-L-O-S, philos, Adelphos, A-L-D-E, Adelphos. Not A-L-A-D, Adelphos. We get our word Philadelphia from that. It means the city of brotherly love. There's not much brotherly love in Philadelphia. But Jesus said, 
you're supposed to love your brother if he's walking righteously. If he's not walking righteously, separate from your brother until he gets conviction in his heart. When he tells us to add charity, agape, when he says add agape to your life, boy, that gets something. That gets heavy. Because in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, he tells you, what agape is and does. Agape 13, what it is and what it does. This is like faith. Faith, let me put it this way. Faith worketh Faith worketh by love. Galatians 5 and 6. Faith worketh by agape. Faith, whatever it is, whatever it is and does, works by agape, whatever it is and does. Well, this gets real, real in-depth. Faith is substance. Faith is substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence. This is the best definition for faith, Hebrews 11 and 1. I never get to finish this. It's got so much to it. Faith is substance. But substance doesn't mean, like Fred Price said, Fred Price was a liar. I believe that he died and went to hell. He didn't preach any truth. He preached the prosperity gospel. Prosper means well way. It's narrow. Faith works by love, by agape. Agape is walking in the commandments of God. Walking in commandments. I'll just put C. Walking in commandments, Second John 6. This is agape, that we walk after God's commandments. Well, God's commandments is more than the Ten Commandments. It's every imperative mood in the New Testament. That's the commandments of God. When he says, preach the word, caruso, it means to herald Christ. That's not an invitation. That's a commandment. Anytime, when the Bible says to forbear one another, an echo. Echo means to hold. Anna means up. Means to pick one another up and put up with each other's failures and failings and That's what we're supposed to do. Pick one another up. So, if faith works by love, we've got to define everything that faith is and faith does. What it is and what it does. And that works by walking in the commandments of God and everything that is 
and everything that does. I can't really get you into all the things that it is and does. I'll just give you some of the things. I've still got to get to unbelief. Now, turn over to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Here's what charity is and does. If faith works by love, and that word worketh is the word energeo, E-N-E-R-G-E-O. Energeo is our word energy. Or energize. When you have a battery, it energizes your car. When you have batteries in your flashlight, it energizes the light bulb. Faith is energized. It comes from E-N and ergon. It means to work ergon within. So faith works within us by walking in God's commandments. But that's a very, very in-depth thing. Let me kind of show you some of what I'm talking about. Look here in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians. I I keep trying to go into all this. And it's so difficult to get all of it in in one lesson. And I keep trying to come back the next week and get it in. And I don't seem to have time enough to get it in. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 by most people is called the love chapter. Well, that's a bad title. It's the agape chapter because it's the charity chapter and charity is always... I don't know why the why those guys translate the Bible, why they translated charity and it was actually agape and one of the words love into agape or from agape and you have to separate phileo which was also the translated word love into it was translated love and it's not the same word as agape not the same word as charity now reading the 13th chapter is difficult to do because you're coming out of the 12th chapter and the 12th chapter is talking about all these gifts of the spirit and when Paul says at the very end of that, he said, he said in verse 28 of chapter 12, God has set some in the church. Well, he says earlier in the 12th chapter, there are diversities of operation. There's diversities of gifts in verse 4. But the same spirit or the spirit is truth. There are differences of administrations in verse 5, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations of these gifts in verse 6. And it is the same God which works all things in all people. Then he says down here in verse 28, God has set some in the church, first apostles. Are all apostles? No. Secondly, prophets. Are all prophets? No. Thirdly, teachers. Are all teachers? No. And after that, miracles. 
are all miracles. But the thing about miracles, it's not our word miracle, it's the word dunamis. Dunamis, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the dunamis, the power of God unto salvation. So dunamis can be translated gospel. If the gospel is the dunamis of God unto salvation, and then he says, oh, was I? You didn't say that. All right. We're talking about faith works by love. Whatever faith is, faith is evidence, it's substance and evidence. The amazing thing about substance is the word hypostasis. That's one of the words for understanding. But there's none that understandeth. Under, hupo, stasis to stand. And I keep saying, the Bible says there's none that understandeth. So if faith, which is the gift of God, is the ability to understand, then God has to put that in your heart when he puts faith there, and that's predestination. So stand is the word stasis. And I keep saying this. This is one of the best algebra equations in the Bible. Faith equals understanding. Understanding equals disciple. Because disciple is the word mathetes. M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S. And we get our word mathematics from that. And it means to go by the rules of math. Go by all the axioms and all the postulates and the rules of the book. Mathetes. So if you understand hypostasis, you are a mathetes, a disciple, a learner. And Jesus said, He that beareth not his cross and falleth after me, that is death to self. He cannot be my disciple, my mathetes. It takes a daily cross to be a mathetes, to understand there has to be death to self. That is what the gift of God is in our life. Faith is the substance, uh, excuse me, saved by grace through faith, and that out of yourselves. Faith is the gift. Doran. It's a sacrifice that God puts in our hearts and causes us to be willing to take our cross, tell truth about Christmas is pagan, predestination is true, God does not love everybody, people want to crucify us for that, and that's what makes us learn, and that's an understanding, and that's faith. So all these things go together. Now, Let's look back over here at the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. If faith works by love, this is a chapter that tells you everything that agape is. And he says, 1 Corinthians, 
before we get into 1 Corinthians 13, you've got to read the last, the last few verses of chapter 12. He says they have gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, gifts of healing. Does everybody heal? No. Only the apostles could do that. Helps, governments, people who run the church, diversities of tongues, glossa. Do they have that anymore? No. Are all apostles? So he's asking this question, and the obvious answer to these questions are no. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with glossa? No. Do all interpret? No. Then he says, leading into the next chapter, chapter 13, but covet earnestly the best gifts, yet I show you a more excellent way. The more excellent way is pointing to chapter 13. Remember, chapter 12, verse 1, that's not in the text. Chapter 13, verse 1 is not in the text. They had one scroll they read down through. So the chapter numbers and the verse number are there for simplification so you and I can find these verses. But the thought doesn't doesn't end there. And it doesn't start there. So it says, I'll show you a more excellent way. Hooper Bolin. Hooper B-O-L-E-N. We get the word ballow from that. Ballow means to throw. We get our word ball. And hooper is our word super, and it means above. Superman is above man. Something that super is above everything else. So he says, I'm showing you a way that is far above all these gifts. And then it goes into chapter 13. And he says, this is the way that's above being an apostle, a prophet, or a teacher, or a worker of miracles, or having the gift of healing, or tongues, or interpreting. He said, here's the more excellent way. That's way above everything else. Though I speak with the tongues of men, Tongue is the word glossa. It doesn't mean jabbering. That's just some stupid thing that people have come up with that they call it ecstatic preaching. It's not ecstatic preaching. It's mumbo-jumbo. It's making up words. Shandalamanda, kandai, shandai, mostalashia, mokashua. Stupid. It's dumb. This is the word glossa. Foreign language. Corinth had a problem with all the languages of the world. They had a problem because Corinth was right in the center of the Mediterranean Sea. Right there. Right there. 
right in the center of the civilized world at that time. Everybody traveling through the Mediterranean, most of them came through Corinth. They had dozens and dozens of glossa, foreign languages being spoken there. That's why Paul says in the 14th chapter, don't let anybody come into the church speaking in Spanish. You don't have an interpreter for Spanish here or French and they don't have a French interpreter here, whatever their ancient languages were. I don't want anybody coming in here. He said at the most, at the most, speak in these foreign languages by twos and threes, do it to the side, and have a man being an interpreter over there. The only reason they'd be doing that is because some guy from Spain couldn't understand the dialect or the gloss of there at, at Corinth. Take the man aside and tell him what's being said. Though I speak with the foreign languages of men and of angels. Good grief. It doesn't mean angelic language. Angel is the common word. Angelos. Messenger. That's all that angel means. Though this man is a messenger of God, and though I can speak all these languages because I am a real educated man, and Paul was very educated, he knew lots of glossa, lots of dialects. And the only two words that's used for tongue is dialectos, meaning a dialect. They had a different dialect in every city-state. This is not gobbledygook or some ecstatic utterances. Now, they do ecstatic utterances in the Hindu temples. But that is a bunch of garbage. Though I speak, though some guy comes in and he comes from over here. Let's just say he's over here in Spain or France. The Gauls are up in this area. And he comes through Corinth and he's speaking in one of these foreign languages over here. Paul said, set that man aside. Make sure you've got an interpreter over there for him to interpret his Spanish language into, so you can interpret to him what's being said by the preacher. It's not this mysterious thing that's going on in the Pentecostal churches. I'm sorry, but that's not it. You're involved in your wild, vivid imagination that you heard from, from Pentecostal preachers. And then he says, and I have not charity. I'm not walking in the commandments of God. And one of his commandments is don't let anything be going on here that's not plainly spoken. He said, all I am is a noise. I'm just making a noise because he can't understand me and I can't understand him. I'm just a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, I can understand what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about prophecies. I have spent my life studying prophecy. Some guy wrote me a letter correcting me. He said, you don't know nothing about prophecy. You're an ignorant. I am as too. You're very stupid. You're either stupid or ignorant. Ignorant means unlearned. Stupid means you can't learn. means to have the understanding of a brute beast. That will not learn. And then he says, And I understand all mysteries. Well, there's two mysteries that the Bible speaks of. 
there's a mystery of Christ. Mystery of Christ. And there's the mystery of iniquity. And the Bible says that the mystery of iniquity is the apostasy. And only the people who are apostate can see it. The mystery of Christ. Mystery is the word musturian. Musturian means the unrevealed facts. But God only reveals himself to whomsoever he will. And Luke the 10th chapter, Luke 10, he reveals himself, apocalypto, K-A-L-U-P-T-O, is the word revealed. It comes from the word revelation, K-A-L-U-P-T-O. Calypto is the word cover. Apo means to take off the cover. Well, mystery is the cover not being taken off, and Christ reveals him to assume whatever he will. So there's two mysteries that the Bible teach. And though a man understands all these mysteries, and he has all knowledge, all gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, has all knowledge of the Bible, and and have all faith so that I can remove mountains and I have not charity. If I'm not walking in the commandments of God, I am nothing. There's a chapter that reminds me of this in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 1. Chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians. I had a fellow come here one time and he said, what does that verse mean in chapter 8, verse 1? I love to explain this. Now touching things offered to idols, we know that we have all knowledge. But just knowing about idolatry, E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A, Ido, idolatry comes from ido, and latrua meaning to serve. Idolatry means to serve, to serve what you see, though you understand that. He's saying just being able to understand, you have all knowledge about idolatry, if you even understand that what you serve is what you look at, knowledge puffs up. Just knowing will puff you up. And then he says, but charity edifieth. Charity, let me put it up here again. Hold on. Let me make this real clear. And I told this to this guy. And he went, ooh. He said, that's convicting. I said, yeah, I know it is. It says, knowledge, just knowing is not enough. 
We've had a lot of people come here. Had one lady come here, and I'd say a Greek word, and she'd say, Agape! She'd holler out there real loud, Agape! And she walked away after a year and ignored everything I said and went back to her family who drank and cussed. It Just knowing the truth is not enough. Knowledge is gnosis. But charity, number one, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. Fusiao is the word puff up. Fusiao, P-H-U-S-I-O-O. Puffs up. P-H-U. S-I-O-O. It means to be conceited. That's when you're in love with yourself. I've had people come here and just learn these Greek words so they go out in the world and beat people up with them. That's not what God wants you to do. It means to inflate self. That's all just knowing will do. But charity edifieth. Charity is knowing is what I told this fellow. Charity is knowledge if charity is walking in the commandments of God and that's that's agape. So you gotta have knowledge of what it is, what the truth is, and it's also doing. It's the doing that people hate. Boy, we don't like that part. I don't mind knowing so I can show off in front of somebody along the way. But don't tell me I have to do the law of God. Don't have to tell me I have to walk in His commandments. So charity, and charity builds up the body of Christ of the church. Now let's go back to 13. How much time do I have, Mike? All right. Maybe I can get through some of this. And though I have faith that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Remember, mountains were capital cities of empire. Capital cities. Babylon was a proud mountain. Was a proud mountain. It was built on self. Let us make us a name. It was proud. And God says, I'm going to make it a burnt mountain. I can't write sometimes. I'm going to make it a burnt mountain. Let me make this real plain to you. Babylon was built on self. Revelation 17 and 5. She was the mother. She was the mother of all idolatry. And she was founded on self. 
She was founded in Genesis 11 and 5. She's founded on let us make us a name. That's the pride of Babylon. And she was a proud mountain. She was a proud mountain. And she was founded on the flesh herself. God says, I'm going to make you a burnt mountain. And we see the mountain burning in Revelation 8, Revelation 18. And we're seeing seeing Babylon brought down in, in uh, Jeremiah 51. Little Babylon fell and went to the ground. God brought her down by the by the Persians. And you can look in so being a proud mountain and being built on let us make us a name, the word humble humble uh, humble is the word tepanua. T-A-P-E-I-N-O-O. And one of the writers says that it means to level mountains and hills. It is the mountain of self that God is going to bring down the mother of harlots. And when you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, Every time Babylon came down, she was brought down into the sea. What about in the Old Testament? Jeremiah 51. Jeremiah is wrapping up the book of the law, and he ties a rope to it with a rock, and he tells a young prophet, go to Babylon and tell Babylon, throw this into the Euphrates. And he said, so shall Babylon sink into the sea. When the when the when the swine will run down the hill, they ran down into the sea. Babylon sunk into the sea. In Revelation eighth chapter there was a mountain sinking, a burning mountain sinking into the sea, and we see the mountain of Babylon sinking into the sea in Revelation eighteen. Now let's get back to this. And though I have faith so I can remove mountains and have not walking in the commandments of God. Charity or agape is the finality of maturity in our lives. Walking in God's commandments. Not just thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not spiritually kill. Thou shalt not spiritually commit adultery. Jesus said, if a man looks on to woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery in his heart. Boy, that's a hard thing to live with. Then he says, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and I'm not walking in the commandments of God, it doesn't profit me anything. And then he makes a list of all the things that agape is. What it is. And some of the things that it does. 
And faith works by these things that agape is and does. And each one of these things, I could spend six months on each one of them. And then he says, Charity or agape, walking in God's commandments, suffereth long. So faith works by suffering long. It's actually the word macro thumia. Thumia means to breathe hard. For a long time. It actually means to be patient for a long time. It means to put up with. So faith works by suffering long, putting up with things for a long time before you lose your temper. In fact, you shouldn't be losing your temper. It means to put up with a lot. And you know how thoroughly teach this I need to go every time I can take what I need to do is take my word study concordance and look at the word macrothumia and what you do is you look in your concordance and you get and you get the uh the Strong's number of macrothumia. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. M macro. And I'll tell you how many times it's mentioned. M. All right, let me see if I can find it. Y'all stick with me here. Don't leave. I'm going to find this. Okay. H-I-J-K-L-M. Their alphabet is basically our alphabet. you got to be able to recognize that the M looks like an upside-down H. L-M-N-X-O-P-R-S-T-U. So I look up the M, and I'll tell you how many times this word is mentioned. L-M. Here it is. M A. All right, macrothumia. Here it is, macro, macrothumeo is mentioned ten times in the New Testament. It's number thirty-one fourteen. It is the word "have patience" in Matthew eighteen twenty-six. Have patience in Matthew eighteen twenty nine. It's the main, it's the main it's the word bear long patience in Luke eighteen seven, and it's the word be patient in First Thessalonians five fourteen. It's the word patiently endured in Hebrews six fifteen, and it's the word be patient in James five and seven. Hath long patience in James five eight, and in Second Peter three nine, 
but God is long-suffering. So that's the word macrothomeo. So what I need to do to teach on it thoroughly, macro, T-H-U-M-E-O. It's mentioned ten times, ten times, and it's 31.14 in the Strong's. And then you've got macrothumia, which is a form of that. M-A-K-R-O-T-H-U-M-I-A. What I'm trying to do is showing you how long it would actually take to study this. And then macrothumia is mentioned 14 times. And that's number 3115 in your Strong's. And this is all the times it's mentioned. Long-suffering in Romans 2.4. Long-suffering in Romans 9.22. He endured the most long-suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Long-suffering in 2 Corinthians 6.6. Long-suffering in Galatians 5.22. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians 4.5, long-suffering in 4.2. Colossians 1.11, long-suffering. Colossians 3.10, Long suffering, First Timothy one sixteen. Long suffering, Second Timothy three ten. Long suffering, Second Timothy four two. Long suffering, Hebrews six twelve. Patience, James five ten. Patience, First Peter three twenty. Long suffering, Second Peter three fifteen. Long suffering, and then one more time, Macrothumas Acts three one. Patiently. And then it's got the word long, 3117, five times. Now, that's why if you can get a, get one of these, <clears throat> one of those Strong's uh, word study concordance, that's really good. Then, so that's all suffereth long. That would take us a long time to go through all of those verses on long-suffering then it says charity is kind oh gosh i've got there are three pages of words that are connected to the word kind in the bible it's just it's astounding i don't know if i've got that here yeah the word kind is the word christiomai this would take, to study the word kind would take long periods of time because I got three pages in the word study concordance just on the word kind. Kind is the word. This is what, remember, faith worketh by agape, by charity. And everything that it is and does. Well, it would take me a long time. Maybe I'll just come back to this next week. Kind is the word crestuomai. And you have morphemes. That's word study shapes. Word study shapes. 
comes the word morphe. Morphe means to shape. To shape. I learned that in the 10th grade in 1953, 54. What morphe was. <clears throat> My biology teacher, Mr. Silverberg, told us what a metamorphosis was. That was the developing stage of a grasshopper. Metamorphosis. Meta means with, morphe, to shape. That's the stages of a grasshopper. So I remember that from the 10th grade. 1953, I believe it was. Anyway, kind has many morphe to it. Maybe I can give you a few of them. To actually teach what agape is, which is charity, and to teach what faith is, faith works by agape, you got to tell everything that agape is, everything it does, everything faith is, and everything it does. That is probably take us years to actually go through it the way we should. This word kind, you get the word, you get the word kriya, which is a morphe of that. Kriya, it's the word necessity. It means to, kind means to, to be useful. It means to employ and give somebody what is useful. Well, if you employ, they work for God, don't they? That goes along with this spiritual Sabbath thing I'm talking about. Work for God. A Sabbath is where you Rest, Sabbath means to rest, means to rest, and you work for God the six days, and you rest. Sabbath means rest, it doesn't mean seventh. So you rest, but you work for God. And that's what crestuomai means. It means to be employed. This would go along. I can't even. If I'm not careful, I'll get you confused. This goes along with the word slothful or idle. You'll either be idle on the Sabbath and work for God in the week, or you'll be idle for God in the week and work the Sabbath and this is man's work or man's sin and you got to you have to go through all these words ergon which is the word work and you'll either do good works good ergon good is the word agathos beneficial Nearly every time you find it with good works or there's works of sin. And I don't have time to stop and go there. 
then you have. Do I have any time, Mike? I can't get through all this. I'll have to come back to this. Let me just read through this and give you the basic definition for these words. From this word kriya, questugomai, get the word kriya, you get the word krestatos, which is the word which means to be employed. This is talking about krestugomai means to employ. Kind is not nice. Kind means to employ the work of God. It's amazing how our words don't mean what they mean. When Jesus said, my yoke is easy, that's the word crestes, easy, and my burden is light, and you'll find rest in your soul, C-H-R-E-S-T-E-S. It's a form of the word kind. And it means to be employed or to work for God. And then he says, uh, when he says, the goodness of God leads you to repentance, that's the same basic word as easy. Christes. And then when he says, be ye kind one to another, means to be employed and give people what they need. In fact, the word, my God shall supply all your need, the word need is a form of this. It's not talking about, my God shall supply all your greed. And then you also get the word gentleness, kindness, uh, goodness, riches of God's goodness. And you get the word kriya, Creo and the word crema. You know how long it would take me to go through all this? Take a year at least just to go through these these things. Well, creo is a word anointed. Anointed. Means to smear all over. Well, that's the baptism. Everything in the Bible is connected to everything else in the Bible. <clears throat> and we're anointed with truth, the Bible says, in 1 John 2, 22, or 27. We're anointed with truth. That's taking the cover off. So all these words go with all these other words. And I, if, I don't, if I'm not careful, I'll get you confused. You can tie every word of the Bible with every other word of the Bible. And we're anointed with truth. And then he goes on to the next word. I can't even begin to tell you all about all of this. That word kind takes you into a myriad of words. <clears throat> then he says, Charity envieth not. It does not envy. The word is zeloo, Z-E-L-O-O. It's our word zealous. Paul, Paul said we're to be zealous 
of good works. It means to be heated up. But you can be zealous of evil things. It means to have warmth of feeling, either good or bad. And then he says, It envieth not, and it vaunteth not itself. The word vaunteth not is the word per peruomai. means to be a braggart, to brag. Mercy me. <laughs> vaunteth. P-E-R-P-E-R-E-U-O. P-E-R. P-E-R-E-U-O-M-A-I. That word means to vaunt or brag. Watch how this brag or be a braggart. You say, I don't do that, Jim. Are you sure? Are you sure? You know what that takes us to? A definition for sin. There's three words. Not three words, but three definitive definition for sin in the Bible. One is in Romans 14. 14. The other is in James 4. And 1 John 4. These are different. And the one in James 4 is talking about not bragging. That is sin. Look at that real quick. And sin, harmatia means unlawful food, and that started in the garden. You can't eat of the tree. It's like go from one thing to the other. It's amazing how this thing works out. You look at James 4. I'm amazed at how the Bible, everything connects with everything else. James 4. The Bible says you don't need to be bragging about what you're going to do. It starts there in verse 13. Go to now. Today and that ye that say today or tomorrow we're going to go into such a city and continue there and buy and sell and get gain. I'm going to do these great things. Wherefore, you know not what tomorrow shall bring forth. What is your life? It's a vapor. It is even a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You ought to say, if the Lord will, we will live and, and do this or that. Now you're rejoicing and boasting all such Rejoicing is evil. They were boasting alazon means self-esteem. It's the same word in 1 John 2.16, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, it's of the world. Pride in that verse is alazon yai, a L-A-Z-O-N-I-A. That's a form of alazon. It means bragging. And then he says in verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and stop bragging. Good is the word kalos. It means to be honest. 
or do something that's beautiful in the sight of God. And doeth it not to him it is sin. Bragging is sin. Gosh, I've got so much on this. I just go from one thing to the other in the Bible. They're all connected. Sin is connected to bragging. Bragging is connected to not doing good. It's connected to Creole. We're, we're anointed with truth. And the anointing, even the word unction, is the word creole. I'm just, there's so many things to say. Do I have any time, Mike? I'm going to go, I need to come back to this and spend some time in it. I've meant to spend some time for a long time. Then it talks about, doesn't, it's not puffed up, fuziao. Well, fuziao is when you know, but you don't do. And it means to be conceited. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Rejoiceth not with iniquity. That's very interesting. I don't have time to go there. But rejoices in truth. That gets to church discipline. I've run out of time. I'll just have to come back. I shouldn't have tried. Grabbing a hold of the 13th chapter of First Corinthians and want to get through it quick, you can't. All right. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. Sometimes I feel so inadequate teaching your word, Lord. You... You need to send an angel from heaven down to explain all this. It's so magnificently structured together. Thank you for your word. Help us to reach the world if it's according to your mercy and will. Open up every possible door for the ministry. And we'll praise you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Fight our battles. Because I don't feel like fighting ever again. write to me and correct me they don't know nothing you ought to be ashamed of yourself for even writing you know so little to nothing about the word of God She's doing pretty good. We're we're just getting old. We have a lot of aches and pains. That's just the way it works.